Good afternoon. Good morning. Good evening from wherever you are. It's uh, Jack Kelly. Let's go live with Jack Kelly. And today, today is going to be a really uh, very helpful, very motivational LinkedIn Live. What I want, what I want to accomplish today is, well, let me take a step back. For those who are watching now, listening now, or who will see it in a replay or see it tonight, next week, what have you, you've seen from 2022 to 2023, you know, these massive layoffs, particularly with these big tech companies going into 2024, actually even through the holiday season, which was really surprising to see layoffs. It used to be. You know, back in the day, companies had this kind of tacit relationship with their employees that during the holidays, starting from Thanksgiving throughout maybe the first couple of weeks in January, say like, hey, we're not going to lay off people. We're not going to do anything bad. You know, this is, this is a time for being happy and being with your family and appreciating things and showing gratitude. And coming around the holidays at the end of last year, there were layoffs. And I, I was shocked. You know, you would think, you know, being in the business world for like 30 whatever years, you wouldn't be shocked anymore. But no matter how long you're, 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 you're in the business corporate world, there's always going to be something like, I can't believe it. So there were layoffs during the holidays, particularly Spotify and others. And now what we're seeing is Citigroup, Google, and others announcing, hey, we're going to do layoffs. But instead of these big number layoffs, it's like a little bit at a time. It's like water torture. Boom, 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 little drips on your forehead going on and on and on. And so for people watching here, I want to help you that if you are, you know, you have that open to work banner, if you're in between roles, I, now, some of you may be in between roles for a while, so you kind of, uh, you know, kind of get a sense of what's happening with the job market. Others, this is new, but I'll kind of share for both those who have already been going through the old interview process and trying to get a job and others, this is new. Let's just dive into it. The first thing that I want to do is share with you, and you're not... I don't, I don't think most people talk about this, is that they'll say, you know, the resume, they'll say the LinkedIn. I think the most important thing you need to do first is focus on your own mindset. And what I mean by this is as an executive recruiter running a search firm, executive search firm for 25 plus years, I've seen firsthand what happens is that when you're looking for a job and when you're interviewing, the interviewer, the hiring manager, they want to hire a winner. They want to hire somebody who is motivated, who is passionate, who is excited, who is charismatic, who is likable, who is upbeat, who has maybe a sense of humor, you know, knows how to ha engage in little small talk chit chat. And I know you're thinking, wait, what? A, what? That's not what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be you have the job description and there's a job description and I have all the stuff in the job description, so I should get that job. That's 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 one of the areas that I think you're making a mistake. You're taking this too literal. It's not, yes, in part, yes. Do you need to have the ingredients for that job? So if you have that job listing with 10, 15, 20 bullet points and you have all those 15, 20 bullet points, do you have a better shot of getting that job? Yes. But does it mean you you will get that job? Not necessarily. This is like, this is like the, the hoax that goes on there where, and I'm, you know, hoax is a, is a bad choice of words, but you, you, bear with me. It really, it, it makes it sound like, okay, if you have all those ingredients and, and you've done all the things they're supposed to have done, so, you, you know, in, in relation to the job description and what the, they're looking for, you, you should get that job. But it doesn't work that easily. It doesn't happen. That's a fable. Could you get it? Yes. But do you get it automatically? Not at all. 
because we're humans and being humans doesn't mean that one and one is always two. We have feelings, we have prejudices, we have preconceived notions. You know, we like people, you know, think about relationships. We, we seek people as romantic partners that are not good for you, but you, you know, we do these crazy things. So why would it be different in the job market and in the interview process? Yes, somebody can go and have all the, put, put, put yourself just to, so you understand what I'm talking about now. Put yourself in the shoes, in the seat of a hiring manager. You know, you're going to interview me and you want to make sure that I have, you know, ticking all the boxes. That's great. But if I come across as stiff, if I come across as arrogant, if I come across as I know it all, if I come across as a jerk, as I come across, if I come across as like having no sense of humor, if I come across as like you, uh, you have to you poke me to, 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 you know, to actually talk and have a sentence, would you want to hire that person? Probably not because like, this would be like, this would be painful. Even if you have all the abilities and you don't have a personality, you, you, you know, you, you can't hold a conversation. I don't want that person. So let's now go back to what I said about the mindset. So when you go in the Best case scenario is that you go into an interview feeling positive about yourself, feeling confident about yourself, feeling motivated, a little swagger. You want to be likable. You want to be approachable. And you want to make sure that you have the background, the experience, the talents, the credentials, the licensings, the education, all those things that they're asking for you have those as well that full package is what you want to bring to the table and when you bring that full package to the table you have a better chance of getting that new job you have a better chance of going and being approved to go to that next round of interviews um so 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 that's what i mean you have to and i know you're 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 i i i get what a lot of people are thinking you know, you're thinking, Jack, uh, you know what? Easy for you to say, I've been looking for a month, three months, six months, nine months. And how can I be happy and positive and motivated when I keep getting rejected? You're absolutely right. It's hard. It's nearly impossible to do it. But like a lot of things in life, you have no choice. Or rather, I say you do have a choice. The choice is to say to yourself, oh, oh my God, I got to go through this again. Oh, I'm, I'm tapping out, I quit. You could do that, but then nothing's going to happen. You never can get a job. You could also say, oh, can't believe I got to do this again. But then find ways to pump yourself up. Find ways to dig down deep, to get yourself motivated, upbeat, excited, and positive. It could be maybe before a Zoom interview, you, you put on your favorite song, and no matter how silly you feel, just dancing, jumping around. You could do that. You could play in your head, like, a you know, some, if, depending on the music you like, Maybe you like some really cool rock music and you turn it up loud and you're just getting, you're psyching yourself up. You could just maybe think back at some of the times that you prevailed against obstacles and, and overachieved and overcome those obstacles. So you want to find a way, you need to find a way, you have to find a way to psych yourself up because trust me on this and this, we don't, people don't talk about this enough. When you go to the interview, you want to come across as a winner. You want to come across someone who can get things done. You want to come across as somebody who is that go-to person, the hiring manager 
could depend upon to make things happen. Because, again, to put yourself in the shoes of the interviewer, that's what you would want, right? Wouldn't you want that? You want somebody you know comfortable. If I'm hiring, you know, Christine, I know that she could get stuff done. I feel confident it's going to happen. Whereas maybe there's somebody else, you know, Jack has the background, has the experience, but mm, I just don't feel it. Don't feel that in a pinch when things are going south, I could depend on Jack to get it done. Even though he has better qualities, better, you know, better history, all that kind of stuff than someone else, I just don't feel it. So you have to, it's, it's, it's psychology. You have to come across where they, you, you, you know, where they feel I need to hire Christine. I need to hire Jack because I know if I hire them, they're going to make my life easier. They're going to make me look good to my bosses. We're going to, we're going to get along well together. We're going to succeed. They're going to, we're going to be kind of partnering up. It's going to be a good vibe. That's what you, that's what you're, that's what you have to aim for. I can't tell you over the years, how many times I'd, I'd interview somebody and you're going to think I'm exaggerating or I'm kidding around, but I'm not. What happens is this, you'll have somebody who is really good at what they do. They're an expert at what they do. People will acknowledge, you know, Jane, Joe, Doe, really good person, really knows their stuff. But what happens, because they know that they know that people know that they're good at what they do, all they have to do is show up and they'll get the job. And that's a huge, huge mistake. Because even though if you would poll 20 people in that person's sector, they would all say, yeah, you know, Jane is the best ever. But if she doesn't come prepared to wow them, to make the interview feel like you are the best person ever, instead, what these people do is They'll give you this blank look, right? This staring look. When a person, an interviewer asks the question, they'll say, well, have you read my resume? Well, yes, I have read your resume, but the reason we're having this interview is so we could talk, not just look at a resume. Oh, here's your resume, you're hired. I want to get to know you. You should get to know me. And for a lot of people, particularly those who are sometimes pretty up the ladder, the corporate ladder, they just feel it's, it's, it's the equivalent of when people say, you do know who I am. Don't you know who I am? Don't you know what I do? It's that vibe. You show what happens. You bring that vibe to the table of like, you know who I am. And the interviewer is like, I'm not feeling comfortable with this. Like, who, who do you think you are? Maybe you are all that. But if I'm going to have to work and live with you and you have that attitude and I got to deal with that every day, thank you, but no thank you. So if you come across as this arrogant rock star, I know everything, I'm the best. Now, you could be a rock star and know everything best, but if you come across and kind of flaunt it and, and act like you're due to get this job, you're preordained to get this job because you're so awesome, it backfires. It backfires because think of it. Do, do you want to work with somebody who's always going to feel like they're so smart, they're better than you? It's going to be an antagonistic relationship. Like the boss is not really going to want to hire you because they're going to be afraid. You're just going to kind of try to show them up all the time where they're going to think they know better. So you want to balance coming across with positivity, likability, charisma, charm, having the ability to have some small talk, being able to really sell yourself. Here's another thing. To pivot to another topic, 
selling has this ick factor. When people hear sales or selling, they're like, I don't want to sell. And why should I have to sell? I'm so great. Everything is selling. Everything is selling. What I mean by that is if you're with your family and you're deciding what to eat, go out to dinner, everybody's trying to sell their thing or what they want, what place they want to eat. If you're going to as a family, sit down and watch a Netflix show. Everybody's going to try to sell why their show is the best and you should do it. If you don't think in those terms, you're, you're, you're shortchanging yourself because you want, no matter what job you have, no matter what you're doing, you want to have that salesman, saleswomanship to get your points across. Similarly, when you're interviewing, you have to sometimes take off your hat. Let's say you're, the, um, you're a compliance person or you're an accountant, or you're a financial analyst, you're in one of these jobs where you're not kind of always selling and schmoozing and going back and forth so that you feel that it's, 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 it's uncomfortable, it's awkward. And so you don't want to do it. But you got to do it. Because if you don't do it, guess what? You know who is going to do it? Your competitors. The other people who are looking for the job, for the same job. So the ones who are going to be selling themselves without feeling awkward and they're just launching into it and they're just extolling their virtues and they're saying, hey, here's why you should hire me and being able to articulate clearly and concisely why you should hire this, why you should hire me. That's what they want. And that takes a little salesmanship a little schmooziness, a little gift of the gab. And if you don't have it, if you don't have that, you need to work on it. And I know, I know you're thinking, oh, something else I have to do. Well, yeah, that's how this shit works. There's always something else to do, no matter where you are. Think about it. If you're the top, if you're an athlete, an NFL athlete, an NBA athlete, do they just say, oh, I'm done. I've, I've, you know, from you know high school on, you know I play basketball and I practice, so yeah, I'm good. No, you still always, always have to improve, and you always have to keep showing up. So that's that's what you have to do. So the self confidence, the motivation, you bring that to the table. So let's take it now. Now let's take a little bit, you know, of a different direction. There, in addition to that mindset that I think I kind of beating to death here is that. You also need to know the basic logistics. The bare minimum, bare minimum, is that you have to have a good, crisp resume. You know, if you don't have one, you don't know how to write one, there's so many resume writers online and on LinkedIn, you can find some really good quality people. You want to have a really sharp LinkedIn profile because people are going to look at it. Once again, if you don't, have one, or if you don't have a good one, invest a few bucks, find somebody to help you out and punch it up for you. Because you're fooling yourself if you feel that interviewers, hiring managers, people involved with the hiring pro process, they are going to check out your LinkedIn profile. They're going to check out your social media profile on other platforms and just get a sense of who you are. So you want to make sure your LinkedIn profile is really strong. It resonates. It shows what you've done and projects out what you're looking to do next. The same thing with the resume. You want to make sure it's up to date it's tight, it's relevant, you have all the stuff on there. These are the basic stuff you just have to kind of get done. These are table stakes, just the beginning. Um, the next thing you want to do, and I, and I know this is the stuff that people hate, is like you have, to, you have to learn how to network yourself, which is kind of akin to selling. Because you hear networking, you like, uh, networking, you know, not too keen on that. Networking really just means, and we got to come up with a different word for it because that word just turns people off. It, it, it really is just kind of being friendly, kind of making friends. And the reason why you want to do that is, is you don't want to just go alone in the job search. 
it's a lonely thing to do. You, you, you want to be able to have other people you could reach out to. And by cultivating and building a group of like-minded people becomes super helpful. And let me give you an example why. So let's say you're looking, as you're looking for a job, you want to have a, a group of target companies that you love to work for within reason. You know, just like when you apply to college, you have a reach school and you have one you know you can get into and so forth. Same thing. Here's like, I would love to work for Google. I love to work for Goldman Sachs. But then if not, and then you could find some other companies. You want to have a handful or more of companies that like these are my, I, I would, I love, I've, I know people who work there. They love it. They pay well. They have a great corporate culture. They take care of their people. This sounds great. I want to work there. So this way you have this target. Now within the target, you want to find people that you know work at the company. Then for those people, and again, when you hear this, you're going to be like, oh, you want to call in every favor. You want to twist their arm. You want to call in all your chips. You want, you, you want, to, you want to cajole them prod them, push them to say, hey, you owe me. I would love to work at Google. You're there. You know the hiring manager. You know that HR person. You, you, please get my resume in front of them. And not only, not only get your, my resume in front of them, I'd love for you to say some good, glowing, warm rec, you know, referrals and recommendations about who I am. So not just, oh, here's a resume of a guy I know, Jack. No, you want to say, this guy, Jack, is amazing. He's perfect for the job. I've worked with him in the past. I know him. He's fantastic. He's a great match for this organization. I think he's going to get along really well with you. You, you have to sit down and talk with him. If you could find that one person, and then sometimes if you could find two people to do it, you're golden. And the reason you're golden is this, it's human nature. So if let's say a hiring manager gets a hundred resumes dumped in their lap from the ATS system, and they have to go through a hundred plus resumes, for someone who's done this for so many years, oh, you glaze over, you know? The first few you're like, oh, all right, interesting, interesting. By the fifth, sixth, seventh, tenth, you know, resume, you're glazing over. By the twentieth, you can't even focus. By the fiftieth, it's you're wasting your time. You, you know, uh, you're shot. By the hundredth, like you don't know what you're looking at anymore. You forgot. You forgot the first ones you liked and whatever, and it's terrible. So that if you're the hiring manager and now you have to go through this hundred plus amount of resumes, or you have these one or two people who came to you and said, hey, Jack is amazing, wonderful, awesome. You need to meet him. What would you rather do? Rather say, let me just meet you. You know what? We got to start somewhere, right? We got to start somewhere. So let's just meet Jack. Let's bring him in. And then once you're in, you have the halo effect. A halo effect means that you have one or two people that are championing you, that are sponsoring you, that are promoting you and saying how great you are. And so as you go through the interview process, that'll carry on. For each, in, for each successive interview, they can say, oh yeah, I've heard that Jack is really good. I think, you know, I, I don't know, somehow I know that you guys know him and he's really, you know, he's done really well and fantastic. And I've heard some interesting stories about him. So now you're not even, now you're not a stranger. You're kind of a known entity. And it makes it much easier to then not only get that first interview, but to keep moving on with the whole interview process. And once again, I understand it's not easy to do. It's very awkward to reach out to somebody, even if it's a friend or a family member. Or someone you went to school with is very weird, is very uncomfortable, very awkward. But you must, you must, you must push yourself out of your comfort zone. You have to start becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable. 
that's the only way it works. We all have these things that we're like, oh, I don't want to do it. But think about it. Then when you do it, how much better do you feel that you gave it a shot? Whether it works or it doesn't work. You feel really good about yourself because you pushed yourself out of that comfort level. And you're like, you know what? I'm glad I did. And you could see as, as we're talking here, there are themes that evolve. And the theme that involves is that you're taking control of your life. You're taking action. You're not letting things happen to you. You're moving forward. You're pushing forward. Even though you're scared to do it, even though you're nervous to do it, even though you're uncomfortable to do it, you, you're doing it. And every time you push yourself, you're going to keep feeling better, better, stronger, more confident. And that loops us back. The more confident you are, when you're interviewing, you have a better chance of getting picked up for that next interview, the next interview, and getting an offer. And I get it. I'm making it sound simplistic, right? You're saying, all right, it's, it's, it's not that easy. It isn't. However, like anything in life, you need to know, hey, what are the rules of the road? What do I need to do? What are the competitive edge that, that I could have? to make it work. So this is what I'm sharing, bringing up to people. And if people are familiar with already, it's reinforcing and reminding them, hey, these are the things they have to do. So, so far, Christy, what do you think? So are, are we good? Are we on track? Yeah, Eileen actually had a great question. Um, she asked, how do we combat the huge volume of fellow applicants? You touched upon this with the referrals, but I wonder if you have any additional thoughts on this? Should people put a lot of stock in the number of applicants, especially because we know that some people will just spray and pray their resume. So there might not even be good applicants among that bunch. Yeah, what I've seen over the years is this. It's, it's, be, it's, it's become so easy to send over a resume. Let's say on LinkedIn, you have easy apply. There's Indeed, there are all these job aggregation sites, there are job boards, niche jobs boards, each company has its own job board. So it's so easy to send it out. And it became common practice, as Christine was saying, spray and pray, take, you know, shoot your shot, all those kind of things where, you know, people say, you know, even though you're not good for it, just try it. Shoot your shot, take your chance. Maybe it'll happen. And then when everybody does it, you'll see like a counter on LinkedIn, a thousand, you know, applies, what have you. And you're like, oh, I will tell you this from an insider who is a person who reads those resumes. You can get a thousand resumes, and this is no exaggeration. And I might end up having maybe four or five that look okay-ish that maybe I could use, maybe I could use them, maybe not even for this job that they applied to, but maybe for a job in the future that's worthwhile saving. What's happened is the resumes just, 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 just a flood of them and it overwhelms everything. And then it makes people feel like, why should I apply when there's so many? Trust me on this, if you have the background, the experience, the skills, the talents for the job, go for it. Don't get dissuaded if a lot of people apply because a large number of those folks, they're just shooting their shot. They're just sending it over and their resumes really don't, they don't match. Is, is that, does that kind of, is that kind of what you were asking? Was that? Yeah. And then I also have something to add with like the LinkedIn profiles, because we've experienced this as, you know, a recruiting mm -hmm. for the LinkedIn profile, make sure that you use search terms that are intuitive for recruiters. A recruiter isn't going to type in these cutesy job titles that people are using these days. They're not going to put like brand evangelist looking for a marketer. Treat your profile like you would like a SEO. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point because for a while there, it stopped. There was a while there where people call themselves like, you know, ninjas and, and all sorts of just crazy wizards. Uh, 
you know, visionaries, like all sorts of crazy, to, you know, terms to make themselves stand out. But yeah, you, you, you have to look at it just like any other, you know, you're searching for anything. You want to make it, e you want to be found easily. You want to be found, you want to have, doesn't mean you have to put on your LinkedIn profile, all these jargon and buzzwords, what have you, but you want to have the keywords that think in the terms of a recruiter, a talent acquisition person at a company, uh, an HR, anybody who's looking to hire, they just want it easy. They want to be able to look at a, at a LinkedIn profile and go, oh, I get what this person does. There are a lot of times I'll look at a LinkedIn profile. I'm like, I, I don't even understand. Like, what? What are you doing? What are you trying to? I, 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 can't, I don't have the time and energy to figure this out. I'm going to move on to the next one. So you really want to make it crystal clear, you know, what you do, what your responsibilities are, what you've done, what you're doing in your current job, or if you're in between jobs, your last, you know, whatever that last job was, what you've done, what you've done maybe in a prior job, if you have licenses, if you have credentials, whatever, you want it crystal clear so people don't have to be like, huh, hmm, I'm not sure. Let me look a little, hmm. No, you want to make it super easy so they understand. You know, Jack Kelly is the CEO of the Compliance Search Group. He places you know, legal compliance, risk, audit, anti-money laundering people throughout the United States. You know, something so simple, like, okay, I got it. And a lot of people make it more complicated. It's okay, this is who I am. This is what I do. So if you need me and my services, it makes it crystal, crystal clear. That's what you want. You want to make sure that it's very easy from an SEO standpoint that they can find you. Any, any, other, any other question, Chris? While we're at it, you know, interviewing is a, a big pain point for job seekers. How can they become better at interviewing? I would suggest interviewing, like a lot of things in life, you know, the odds are you're not going to just go to an interview and be an expert right away. It takes practice, it takes time. Um, you have to iterate. You know, you find out, okay, this, uh, you know, this works, this doesn't work. This is good. This isn't good. So I would start, number one, you put together an elevator pitch. And an elevator pitch basically is this, um, where you, it was derived from like, you get into an elevator and you see, let's say this executive that you wanted to do business with, you're able to, within the time frame of going from the first floor to like the fourth floor, you could sell that person on what you're trying to sell that person on. So it has to be concise, quick, to the point, relevant, so that the person you're pitching is like, oh, okay. Yeah, you know what? Here's my business card. Let's talk. So you want to have that when you're interviewing, you want to put together this elevator pitch of who you are, what you do, and what you're looking to do next. And you want to also make sure you're matching up with what the criteria is from the company. It always sounds great in your head. Think about it, not just when you're interviewing for anything in life, you know, when you're thinking, you know, you have an argument with somebody, and then two days later, it pops up into your head about like, oh, I should have said this, that, the other thing. You want to not just think in your head. You want to write it down. You want to practice it. You want to put together, let's say, 20, 30 seconds, 40 seconds elevator pitch about who you are. Similarly, what I just said about myself, about you know being CCO. A CEO of a search firm, so so forth, really crisp, concise, to the point, so that people get your message. And when you interview, it'll make your life so much better because when they start asking you questions, you don't have to stumble around thinking what to do. You know you're going to have your pitch. You know I'm the CEO of an executive search firm, running for 25 years. I specialize in placing compliance people, but also risk audit, anti-money laundering, regulatory folks. And they focus from mid-level to senior level and predominantly on Wall Street. We'll deal with hedge funds, uh, private equity, broker dealers, money managers, wealth managers, something like that. 
real simple, right? It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be, but it just, so then they know what you do. So when you interview, you want to be able, just like that, to be able to say, here's what I do. Then you want to add, here's what I'm looking to do next. So with, by saying who you are, what you're about, then the interview is like, okay, I get it. That makes sense. You want to tie in your background with the job description to say, hey, the reason I'm looking, even though I'm the CEO of a search firm, I'm really excited about taking the next level and, and becoming an executive at a search firm that works globally. Right now, it's the U.S., I'd love to do it internationally. So I want to take my background, my skills, my experiences and take it to the next level and do it worldwide. So now you shared who you are, what you're about, what you've done, but then you're looking forward and saying, here's what I want to do next. And then you just practice it. You could role play it with a family member, a friend, a a trusted colleague, whoever. But you want to, you definitely want to, test it out. And then you want to test it out. And, and as you test it out, you'll iterate because you might speak with someone and go, mm, that doesn't sound natural. Let's, let's, let's tweak it and let's change it. Mm, maybe add this to it. Mm, maybe take this out and, and you refine it. You, you know, you, you try, you refine it, you tweak it, but you don't want to get too crazy about it because you want to make it sound organic you want to you want to sound authentic. You want to sound genuine. If you if you if you if you're too rehearsed, that that tends to backfire. If you're too rehearsed, it comes across robotic, and it you, you lose that warmth. Like for instance, when I do these LinkedIn lives, I keep I I, I write down some notes where it would literally be let's say hashtag open to work. Um, you know, my, you know, mindset and just have those like, but you know, those words so that I'll remember what I want to talk about. So I don't lose my train of thought, but I don't write a whole script for what I'm talking here, because I know if I wrote a whole script, it bore everybody to tears because who wants to hear me reading a script, you know? Now it's different. You're reading a script. It's a movie, but if it's it's about this, you're like, uh, so you want to be na- You want to come across human. You want to come across natural, genuine, authentic. But if you come across as you're just reading your notes, it's going to turn people off. So practice. You want to practice this. Then what happens as you interview? Oftentimes people feel, oh, I have three, four, five, six interviews. I'm saying the same thing all over again. I got to keep mixing it up. No, you could say the same thing to everybody. And I'll, I'll give you a caveat later. Same thing to everybody you're meeting with. So this way, what we have in this current market is this decision by consensus. We've, we, we've, and this is for, for people who wonder, why does it take so long? Why is interviewing going on forever? Well, it's going on forever because the hiring manager and others are scared to make a decision. And they're just scared to make the decision. They put more and more people involved with the process. And think about in your own life, whenever you get more and more people involved with something, it's like stone soup. It just gets, it just doesn't work anymore. So what happens is that when, so now let's dial back. You're going to meet with all these different people. And it's going to take a long time. Some people, it makes sense that are in the view channel. A lot of times you're meeting people who they just threw them in there. You lean into your elevator pitch about who you are, what you're doing, what you're looking to, you know, what, what you're looking to do next, why, you know, this, this really resonates with you and why it makes sense for you to hire me. But you, each one, you tell her a little bit. When you're speaking with HR, you tell her, knowing HR, they're looking for somebody who's a good corporate citizen, who's not going to do anything boneheaded and make the HR person look bad for checking the box saying, yeah, I want to hire Jack. So you want to give the same pitch, but you want to make sure that the HR person knows that you're going to be a good person. You're going to do all the right things, say all the right things. And that's cool. When you meet your boss, you want to show once again, lean into your elevator pitch, 
but let the boss know because boss just wants help. They, how can I help you? How can I, how can I improve your life? How can I make your work life easier? You know, I'm excited to work with you. I've heard a lot about you. So you have your pitch, but then you kind of, and sometimes you just have to shoot from the hip, which is really hard to do for a lot of people. A lot of times they'll ask a question or they'll say something that's not on that cliche list of, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? Where you, why do you want this job? You know, why did you leave your last job? You know, these cliche questions that most people are used to, when they throw something out that's a little different, it throws you off. Now, if it throws you off, once again, you can kind of lean into, hey, because some, and this is this is like an insider thing. A lot of times they'll ask these questions and they don't give a shit about the answer. They just, I don't, they, they, they're just going through the motions. So let's say they throw this question at you and you don't know the answer. You know, you could go back to your, your pitch. Hey, you know what? I really like this job. I like the company. It's a pleasure speaking with you. You seem like a great person, great person to work with. I'm excited about it. Um, you know, I have this, that, the other thing I do. And you kind of just do a little like, you know, talk around that. And then usually what happens is the person has a question. They really didn't care too much about the question anyway. So then they're on to the next one. I think what happens, most people obsess about, oh my God, what if they ask me this? What if I ask me that? Nah, don't worry, you run with it. More often than not, you know, you, you just talk about the thing you want to talk about. How many times do we see that with politicians? You know, you see the politician, they're up on the stage and they ask a question and then somebody, they ask a question and then they answer, they answer something else. And then what do you do? They go on to the next question. And everyone shrugs and shows, oh, all right, whatever. I think we put too much pressure on us. Oh my God, oh my God, we got we to gotta answer. No, you can't figure it out. And then sometimes if you really don't know, I do this all the time. And it's, you know what? Trust me on this. If you want to try it, it's liberating. A lot of times, like, I don't know. I'm not sure. I have no qualms to doing that. Sometimes that's the best thing to do. So like, let's say they ask a question and you're not sure. You go, um, you know, to be fair, I'm really not sure. Can you, can you kind of break it down for me? Can you, can you just explain it a little bit more? There's nothing wrong with doing that. In fact, if anything, it's ingratiated because then they're going to kind of give a little bit more color. Then you'd be like, oh, because perhaps you're not on the same page with that person. So yeah, hey, I'm not sure. Or let's say they ask the question, of, you know, maybe you could help me out. I'm not clear. Why, why did you ask that question? I'm not really sure if I connect the dots or why it's relevant. Can, can, can you help walk me through it? That's fine. Those are really good ways to get around it where you don't know how to answer it. Instead of trying to force your way through it, fake your way through it, say, I'm not sure. I don't know. Help me out. Walk me through it. It takes all the pressure off of you because not only does it take pressure off you in the moment when you have that to do, it takes the pressure off going into the interview, anxiety ridden. What if they ask me this question? What if they ask that question? What if they do this question? What about this? What about that? This way, yeah. If you don't know, you don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure about it. That's a great question. And you can always say things like, and can I tell you something? This is one of the main reasons why I'm interviewing here. I've learned a lot in my current job. I've learned a lot in my other jobs, but I really want to take it to the next level and I want to grow and develop and learn more. And some of these things I may not be familiar with, but that's why I'm here. That's why I'm interviewing. Because if I knew it all, why would I interview? I would, you know, it doesn't make sense to do the same thing. I'm, I'm here to learn and to grow my career. And it seems like I might not be aware of this, you know, matter you brought up, but that's the whole idea. That's why I'm here. So I can learn about it. So I can grow. I could develop. I could take my career to that next level. And you see how, what I'm doing with it? How much easier would your life be when you do that, right? So much easier. So much easier than trying to dance around it and pretend or stress out. Well, I'm not sure. Can you walk me through it? Can you explain it to me like I'm a three-year-old? You can make a you know a, you know a little joke out of it. Um, another thing, if you same thing, kind of related. If you have gaps in your resume, don't freak out. Everybody, anybody who's been working for like five, 10, 20 years, they have gaps. They have things, horror stories. They had issues. Maybe they were laid off. Maybe they were fired. Always, it's very rare. Anybody spent, you know, 
five, 10, 15, 20 years in the corporate world without having an F up and something go wrong or something happen, even if it's not your fault. So if you have a gap on there and the interviewer is like, oh, Jack, I noticed you haven't done anything from this period to that period. Eh, F off. That's in your mind. You don't say that to the person, but F off. Come on. Who hasn't had that? So don't let that bother you. If that happens, hey, if you want to disclose that there's something went on and, and you want to share, fine. You say, well, to be fair, I had several things I, I you know, rather not talk about it. It's just a gap. Didn't do anything wrong. Didn't kill anybody. You know, didn't rob a bank. Just in between jobs for a while. Um, if it was something that you do want to talk about, like, hey, I have I had an ill parent that I have to take care of, so I needed some time off for that. It could be, hey, I was working since high school. You know, this is 30 years later, and yep, just wanted to take a sabbatical, take some time. You don't want to be intimidated and brown browbeaten by these interviewers who are being judgmental at times. And you feel them out. Some people have a sense of humor. You know, maybe you could kind of do something that could kind of alleviate the tension by cracking a joke or just being, you know, just trying to be fun to be around. Others, you might realize they're really super uptight and you got to kind of walk a different line. In addition to the gaps and other things too, be prepared for rejection. Um, unfortunately, in this environment, Rejection becomes part of it. It's not you. The most critical thing to keep in mind, everybody's going through the same thing. Well, I shouldn't say everybody, right? What I'm seeing and hearing and reading about is that mid, you know, well, not even mid, people just newly graduating from college to mid to senior level white collar professionals are having a super hard time finding jobs. Blue-collar workers, frontline workers, tradespeople, they're doing way better. And I'm generalizing. So that if you get rejected from interviews, you don't get called for interviews, you don't get called for callbacks. Yes, you may want to make sure and speak with some people to say, hey, am I doing anything wrong by role-playing and talking with them, as we mentioned earlier? But at the same time, it's just... This is what's happening now. It's not just you. It's it's going. Everybody's going through this. So if you get rejected with something, take some comfort that you you don't have anything wrong with you. You're not doing anything horrible. It's just the environment right now. Whereas with a great resignation after the pandemic and they were hiring, well, it was easier to get hired. Even then, not everyone gets hired. There's no way around. I don't want to soft pedal it. It's tough getting rejected. It sucks. It's brutal. What I would suggest you do when you get rejected, yeah, take a moment to feel bad about it. But then think of all the times you've won. Think of all the times you've succeeded. Think of all the good times that happened. Think about all the people who care about you. Think about all the people who love you. The reason I say that is because you don't want to find yourself falling into the abyss. You want to, you want to, you want to start saying, okay, this happened because it gets way too easy. And I've seen this all the time where people, when bad, they have bad news, they sprinkle it. Oh, you know, when they have bad news, they pile it up, right? They pile it, pile it, pile it, pile it up, pile it up. And then you look and there's a mountain of bad stuff. And you're like, oh my God, I got rejected again. Look at this mountain. It's always happening to me. Look at this. This is terrible. And it brings you down. Whereas, it's funny, most people then, when they have good things that happen, they sprinkle it a little here, sprinkle a little there, sprinkle it over there. And then it doesn't grow because they just see the sprinkles. What you need to do is, is look at the positives in your life. If, let's say, you have a hobby engage in that hobby. Let's say you love playing golf, you love playing pickleball, you love playing tennis and you're really good at it, go and play pickleball. 
go and play tennis, go and play golf, because then you charge yourself up again. You remind yourself, I'm good at some stuff. You know, I, I have a lot of abilities. And whatever it may be, you want to hone in on that. Every time you get a rejection, you want to hone in on, what am I good at? Work is just one part of a life. You know, maybe you have a spouse, a partner, kids, family, this, that. You want to look at all the good things and appreciate all the good things and be grateful for all the good things and then get these wins under your belt so that it doesn't sting as much because you could say, hey, this one didn't work, but I've had so many other great fortune things in my life. And that's where you put your mind on, on those positive things, positive thinking, forward thinking. Um, wow, I realized we kind of, we got a lot, we got a lot done. Chris, anything I'm missing? Uh, Rachel had asked, um, let's say if there's like a billion or millions of other project managers, like how do you stand out, whether it be your LinkedIn profile or even during the, the job interview process, how do you convey like your, your value proposition? That's a good question. I would say whether for a product manager or you can substitute any other type of role. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one could be the first thing is like we talk about how you come across. So if you come across as, let's say as a product manager, and I'd imagine as a product manager, you have to have really good relationship skills that you could interact with yeah, the person who is the software engineer on this project, the person who's marketing, the person who's in advertising. And I could be wrong, Rachel, about like how this works, but just go with me on it. So that you want to be able to share with the interviewer all the skills that you have that are important to being a product manager and why, you know, why you stand out in the career in the crowd. But then at, like as we were talking at the beginning of you know, the LinkedIn Live is you want to be come across to stand out, being dynamic, being motivated, being really excited about the role. Having done a, a lot, and I didn't mention this before, a lot of due diligence about the company, the people, the corporate mission, the financials, because then you could also add, you know, not only do I do I want to be a product product manager, you know, at XYZ widget company, but also I've, I've, I've looked into your corporate culture and I love that you do the, this thing every Friday afternoon. And I really love the fact that you have unlimited paid time off. That doesn't mean I'm going to take all that time off, but I like the vibe that the company is setting. So you want to show that you've done your homework into the company. You're really interested in the company. This is not a job for the sake of a job. It's not like you're applying to this product manager role here and the 100 others, you really want this opportunity. You really want this job. And that you could also say that too. You could say, hey, I've had other interviews, even if you haven't, right? You, you know, I have a lot of, I have a number of interviews, some offers from others, but this is really what I want. This is the company. This is the place. And, and I would love to work for here. I put others off because this is, this is my ideal company. But then you have to kind of give reasons why. You could give all the reasons why. So to stand out, you want to make sure that you come across genuine, you know about the company, you have so much knowledge about it that they're like, whoa, all right, this, yeah, this person is really, you know, this person really likes this job in this company. And then you come across passionate about it. Well, this person's really passionate about it. And then you, you, you know, you give your pitch about who you are, why you make sense, why it works and so forth. And then hopefully that stands out compared to others who maybe didn't bother doing their homework on the company. They don't know about the corporate culture. You know, they don't really understand, you know, what it's like to work there. They, they, they coming in just because maybe they're good at what they do that they should automatically get the job. So you'll kind of stand out. Is that, is that helpful, Rachel? Does that. I think that's great. I think. You know, if you're stumped, all roads lead back to like demonstrating why you're perfect for the role and what is your value add. Don't just talk about your current um, or prior job responsibilities. I think a lot of people do that in the resume, LinkedIn profile or during the, uh, the job interview. You have to be able to provide specific examples of how you've added value in the past at your former employers. Fantastic. 
Um, well, we could uh, we could wrap it up, right? And hopefully, hopefully this helps. Listen, you can't. There's no magic bullet answer that's going to cure everything. A lot of times, things are broken down based on just the current environment, but they change, they vacillate, they go from you know pandemic, everything closed down to it opens up, and then great resignation. You know. It's constantly ups and downs and ups and downs. And it's easy to get frustrated. It's easy to get depressed. It's easy to get unhappy. It's easy to slide into drinking too much alcohol, smoking too much weed, taking drugs, both legal and illegal, eating too much. This this may not you know sound like somebody who's talking about how to help with a crib, but it, follow me on this. You have to look at yourself almost like a finely tuned athlete. This is a marathon. This is almost like a marathon, tough mudder, obstacle course, decathlon. What's that? Whatever that big bicycle race is, the Tour de France, all rolled into one. Now, if you're feeling, if you allow yourself to be dragged down and be depressed and miserable and happy, which I, I understand why that would happen. You have to find ways to dig yourself out and you have to focus on your health, your mental well-being, and your emotional well-being and practice self-care so that instead of saying, I didn't get this interview, I'm gonna bring out this big tub of ice cream and just eat ice cream. Will it make you feel better temporarily? Yes. But is that good for the long run? No. So I would strongly suggest is that part of this whole thing is you have to look at yourself as an elite athlete going through this marathon. So you have to get sleep. That's super important. You have to eat healthily. You have to work out, even if it's just walking around the block a whole bunch of times, take it up to the next level perhaps. You want to ensure your mental health is right. And to go back to, that's why I say, if you're great at pickleball, play pickleball, make you feel better. You could take time away from your job search. So it's this all-encompassing thing. So you take care of yourself. And this way, when you go to the interview, you're feeling strong. You're not going to feel strong if you've been just popping any pills, drinking too much, have a hangover eating too much, just feeling uncomfortable in your body. You know what I mean? It's These are things people don't talk about because it feels kind of uncomfortable to talk about. But I see what works and what doesn't work. You know, when you see and you're doing something, right? When you're in a field and you're doing something you see for 25 plus years, after a while you realize, okay, this works and this doesn't work. This is what I've seen people do and they succeed. And this is what I see people who don't do and they don't succeed. So in addition to everything I mentioned, you will have to take care of yourself mentally, emotionally, spiritually, health-wise. So this way you can have the energy, the drive, the mindset to keep going through a tough environment. So I, I hope this helps. There's, I would love nothing more to say, if you just do this, it's all going to work out. But we know it just doesn't work like that in anything in life. But hopefully the talk kind of give some ideas. If maybe you're already familiar with them, it helps to have it reinforced. Feel free to reach out. Um, I've been working on this um, beta testing for a startup to offer mentorship and career coaching. Um, I have a connection of probably 100 plus career coaches and mentors, what have you. So if you'd like any help, if you'd like me to help you personally, the you know, and this is not a pitch or anything like that because it's still working on this and building this. So if you're interested, we could help out. Um, any questions put into the comments, any topics you'd like to hear about in the future, let me know. Um, thank you for watching. Let me know if this was helpful or not. You won't trust me. You won't hurt my feelings. If you say, Hey, this sucked. This didn't help at all. <laughs> you, you know, just give it up, whatever it is, because I want to do better the same way I'm mentioning to y'all, same thing on my side. I want to improve my game and add value and help. And if some of the things I'm saying is not helpful, you won't hurt my feelings. Let me know. 
um, if things are positive and may, and, and you feel it's really good, let me know. Cause I'll know to include that in other com comments or maybe when I'm writing about it for Forbes or other places. So I appreciate you taking the time today. Um, good luck with everything. Hit me up if you have any questions and, um, uh, we'll, uh, we'll regroup tomorrow. Actually, we have a really cool company that we're going to, I'm going to talk to where they have GPT for people, which is a really cool AI recruiting kind of platform that maybe could be a value to everybody here as well. So Jack Kelly, thank you very much. And Christine, thank you very much. And we'll see you all tomorrow. Bye-bye.